Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James Comment il vécu Comment il est mort Ça vous a plu, hein Vous en demandez encore eh bien, écoutez l'histoire de Bonnie and Clyde. Alors voilà, Clyde a une petite amie. Elle est belle et son prénom c'est Bonnie. À eux deux, ils forment le gang Barrow. Leur nom, Bonnie Parker et Clyde Barrow. Lorsque j'ai connu Clyde autrefois, c'était un gars loyal, honnête et droit. Il faut croire que c'est la société qui m'a définitivement abîmé. Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde. que nous tuons de sang froid C'est pas drôle mais on est bien obligé De faire taire celui qui se met à gueuler Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Chaque fois qu'un policeman se fait buter Qu'un garage ou qu'une banque se fait braquer Pour la police ça ne fait pas de mystère C'est signé Clyde Barrow Bunny Parker Bunny and Clyde Bunny and Clyde Maintenant chaque fois qu'on essaie de se ranger de s'installer tranquille dans un meublé Dans les trois jours, voilà le tac-tac-tac Des mitraillettes qui reviennent à l'attaque Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Un de ces quatre, nous tomberons ensemble je m'en fous, c'est pour Bonnie que je tremble. Quelle importance qu'il me fasse la peau. Moi, Bonnie, je tremble pour Clyde Barrow. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. De toute façon, on ne pouvait plus s'en sortir. La seule solution c'était mourir Mais plus d'un les a suivis en enfer Quand sont morts Barrow et Bonnie Parker Bonnie and Clyde 
morning, Brooklyn, and welcome to uh, the show, Crime Talk BK. <clears throat> this is your host, Joanna Perpich, and uh, I am here with Megan Duffy. Good morning. And uh, so I know that we've been talking your ear off about a certain special someone, um, El Chapo. And uh, so we finally decided to just get down and dedicate an entire show to him and his craziness. Literally, I feel like some of his decisions was him being like, how can I make this as much of a movie as possible? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's make something off the royalties for my, I don't know, diamond encrusted gun toting lion keeping story. But. Before we go to that, we have a little bit of business to get down to. Uh, first off is the uh, Radio Free Brooklyn holiday party. Please come to our Radio Free Brooklyn holiday party uh, this coming Thursday, December 13th, from 7 to 10 p.m. at the Braven Brewing Company in Bushwick. RSVP to RSVP at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash holiday 2018 to get two free beer tickets at, at the party, plus access to the exclusive VIP area. Uh, now, if it's part of your RSVP, I'm not entirely sure how VIP it is, but there's right. going to be some really cool people hanging out there. We might be there. Um, Are we VIPs? We're the talent. Ah, so no. <laughs> <laughs> we're like... <laughs> Tom. We're going to walk in the door, and Tom Tenney's going to hand us like a bag of peanuts, and he's going to be like... Eat these. Don't say anything too terrible. Go sit in the corner. Do a dance. <laughs> Here's a beer. <laughs> um, but we would really like to thank the Bravin Brewing Company for supporting Radio Free Brooklyn this holiday season. Visit their brewery, bar, and kitchen in Bushwick at 52 Harrison Place. You can also check them out at, online at Bravin, Bravin, I guess, bravenbrewing.com. Uh, now, I have not actually been to this brewery, so I'm actually pretty excited to check it out. I'm a bit of a beer snob. Yeah. Oh. Not really a beer snob. Well, my <laughs> sister said I like vacation beers, so I guess perhaps I might be a snob. Vacation beers? Mm-hmm. Like uh, like IPAs and stuff where you can just sort of like Pilsners, you just sip and sip it? No, like Corona, Red Stripe. Oh. <laughs> Heineken. <laughs> I, my beer snobness is showing with that comment. <laughs> I used to live across from this... Um, a craft beer bar mm-hmm. in Ridgewood, mm-hmm. like literally across the street. Oh. And they serve really good French fries. Shout out to, Cra- oh, I can't remember the name. All right. So if you're on Myrtle, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but I just like spent so much time there that um, I learned how to talk intelligently about mm-hmm. beer. And a, you know, now it's like I, a skill to have. And now I only drink gin and tonics. <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so the theme of the news this week is angry New Yorkers, starting out with uh, this man who just all he wanted was a cinnamon raisin, ba- raisin bagel. Did you hear about this? Guy? I heard about it. I didn't read it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. All right. Tell so, me. Please. There's an angry... <laughs> I have to know about this. Um, I need the tea. So, you know, someone just told me that. I'd never heard that expression before. It means gossip. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, um, so there was an altercation last Sunday at High Mango Natural Market 
at 1055 Flushing, which is actually not too far from here. Okay. Anyway, there is an angry customer who is impatient for his um, egg and cheese uh, bagel. On it was he ordered a bacon egg and cheese on a cinnamon raisin bagel. I don't know why. Uh, Cynthia Nixon did that too. It was a weird. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds foul. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he had some problems because. Then apparently the uh, bodega guy, there's a little bit of a line. He's like, oh, it'll be around 10 minutes. You know, there's like a lot of people here. And he uh, screamed, make my cinnamon raisin toasted bagel with bacon, egg, and cheese right now. Right effing now. Make my shit now. Police say that it escalated into a physical altercation, at which time he threw the bagel. When he finally got it, he threw it. At the bodega guy, it just started chucking things at his head. Ah. The deli worker said <laughs> that he kept just throwing stuff at my head, noting that the items included a bag of bread, a computer tablet. Oh, my God. And a metal stand lying on the counter and a hand basket. Does this guy have a bad week? Like, it's a, I mean, like, this is, that is, it's such a... Ten minutes for your bagel in the morning is such an epitome New York moment. I mean, I just kind of... Everybody waits ten minutes. Thank God he's okay. You know, like, the bodega guy's not hurt. But I just love the imagery of this guy walking and be like, give me my bagel. And then he just, like, <laughs> takes everything off the counter and starts throwing it. Like the tablet that you used to swipe credit cards yeah. with. Asshole. All right. So, anyway, the police are looking for him. Uh, he ran off after, you know throwing everything everywhere. He's described as being in his late teens or early 20s, having a thin build and a dark beard. He was last seen wearing all green clothing. So we currently have an angry leprechaun on the loose. Mm. Call the NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's an elf. Oh, that's a good one. He's an elf. I think he's an elf. He's like an escapee from SantaCon. Yeah lost his way at 1-800-577-TIPS again if you see a man wearing all green belligerently throwing bagels please call 1-800-577-TIPS oh boy all right (laughs) so this next one is also really funny uh basically uh this man was trying to catch the the bus and he didn't catch it which has happened to all of us um now unlike most of us he decided to then chase the block the bus 23 blocks 23 blocks yeah why didn't you just run the why didn't you just run to your destination if you're gonna run 23 blocks i know it's like at that point (laughs) do you even really need it but apparently he's much more in shape and fueled by rage (laughs) so he gets to this he he manages to pull in front of the bus he's like running the bus is at like a stop sign stoplight he runs in front of the bus refuses to move and then starts screaming and like banging on the bus and trying to pull metal off of the bus so he's like prying apart the bumper and attacking the mirrors (laughs) (laughs) the bus suffered more than two thousand dollars in damage oh my god Um, angry superman he smashed a piece of the broken bus that he ripped off with his hands into the windshield what is this guy on? He, 
Could have lift. I mean, just like lift the bus. Like you clearly, you don't need to ride the bus if you have this much energy. <laughs> the article that I was reading in the New York Daily News was so funny because it's like he then proceeded to rip apart the vehicle with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm reading this, and I'm like, okay, is he like pawing at it or something? No, he is like going for it. And I have a video. Oh, really? To play you. Okay. All right. Uh, so for all, so for all of our listeners who aren't in the studio, it is this Instagram post, oh Twitter post, uh, by um, P Johnny, and it basically reads, "New Yorkers don't play." Yo, what is this man doing? Yo, he kicked the fucking shit. He's having a long day. Yo, he's trying to break the... Oh, no! He's trying to rip the mirror off. Yo, this nigga's wild. Yo, he's breaking the bus apart. So right now he's, like, tearing up the mirror and, like, screaming and banging on the bus. But the commentary, I think, really is the best part. Yeah. I can't see from here. Does he have a lumberjack beard? Here, come over here. Oh, it took a place on Houston Street. <laughs> yeah. He's currently like putting the You see the scrolling message on the top of the bus that says call emergency call police. <laughs> I didn't know they could do that on the bus. They could just change the message on the bus. Yeah, so basically, because uh, I think it was probably a little bit unclear from us talking over the video, but where the bus usually tells you, like, the route that it's going on, it just starts flashing, call police emergency. Help, help. <laughs> but it's so funny because at one point, he just really, like, roots his heels into the cement and starts pushing the bus. And he, I swear to God, it almost looks like he's just, like, pushing this bus backwards. You can see it rocking. <laughs> yeah. Bro, you don't need the bus. Fly. Just fly there. I saw you at 27. We're on Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Poor soul. (laughs) So. (laughs) Was that my surprise? That was a good one. That was your surprise. (laughs) News of the week. That was on Tuesday. All right. um, Let me see. I also have. uh, This is the only serious news, news of the week one that I actually have. Um, and it's quite, it's about, um, let me see. Sorry, I just completely blanked. Um, Eric Gardner. Yeah. So, shift gears. Um, so, the Civilian uh, Complaint Review Board, uh, they're the ones that handle, like, police misconduct. They actually announced a court date uh, for Officer Daniel uh, Pantaleo. And uh, so they're going to be going to court on uh, May 13th. And uh, as per usual, the police union has released a statement saying that Eric Gardner just magically dropped dead. um, Despite um, autopsy reports from the city saying that he clearly died of neck compressions from the chokehold, the illegal chokehold that that, uh, Pantaleo put Gardner in for selling Lucy's. Um, So, I mean, there's not really... It's not necessarily an exciting announcement, 
but it is saying that there's a court date. They're taking this seriously. And it sounds like that they have a pretty strong case. Uh, I think they have a really strong case. I hope this is not just optics. Um, it could be. Um, well, I'll, you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Um, sorry, could you just uh, say something into the mic real quick? I have to fix your, your levels. Real quick. Real quick. Better? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We've been having a few problems in the studio with um, levels recently, so I'm a little bit more paranoid than usual. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, I feel like this will be a lot less fun for us to give you guys play-by-plays than um, <laughs> El Chapo, but we certainly will because it's important. Yeah. So. I actually moved to New York a week after that happened. Did you really? That was interesting. The vibe here must have been palpable for you. Well, and not only that, but I'd moved to bed. I'd moved to Crown Heights, Ew. and I was off the Utica stop. So this is like really deep into Crown Heights, mm-hmm. and um, so Crown Heights is this uh, like a Caribbean neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a lot of I wouldn't. There's a lot of tension. Um, I remember seeing on my front stoop smoking cigarettes. And by the way, I look really young, and I was like a baby when I moved here. I was like twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So, like, no one was necessarily giving me a hard time, but I had, like, store owners stop by and talk to me, and he's like, hey, I know you're a <clears throat> white girl moving into this neighborhood. You need to respect the neighborhood. Here's things you need to know. And it was, like, this weird, really tense crash course in gentrification and, now how to ha- and how to not be a bad neighbor. But a lot of it was fueled by, I think, like, the hostility. I think especially the black community was probably feeling from all this. Yeah, I mean, you know... That's the Garner case, just the tip of the iceberg, though, for them. So I can imagine how. Well, I, you know what? I can't imagine because I'm also a white girl moving into various neighborhoods. But you, I mean, the tension all over the city was it was running pretty high. So for someone, an outsider, to just like move in, move from Texas, move from to Texas, Crown Heights. yeah, I, I can I can imagine that was a bit of a uh, slap in the face with the tension yeah I, I was very taken aback by it um but i was also really grateful that the people in crown heights were just very like nice wonderful people yeah who were very uh patient <laughs> with me it was nice that they gave you a crash course at least like respect the neighborhood and yeah we'll respect you well i mean i don't know like I always go out of my way to, like, if I need something and there is a privately owned store on my block that sells it, I will buy it at a privately owned store. I have me too. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, like, I, I'm chatty. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. I would just, like, and also, I had, like, a bunch of packs from Texas. They are like, $7. So I was just, like, handing out free cigarettes to everyone. Look at oh, you. Oh, that's probably why they like me. Yeah. <laughs> Buying your friendships. Um, but I just have like such a distinct memory of, of, uh, you know, talking to people and mm-hmm. hearing about it through that. So, um, on to more fun news. Uh, let's talk about Cardi B. I don't know anything about her. She's a rapper. Yes. Know? That part okay, I know. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm not she's sure. She's not, how- she's not, uh. In my vernacular, I don't pay attention to her that much. So tell me. So rapper Cardi B um, got arrested. Uh, so she's actually from the Bronx. 
uh, which I think is kind of cool. I really like her, by the way. Okay. Uh, she's very uh, she she's fun. I think her songs are very entertaining. She okay. doesn't take shit from anybody. Maybe too much so because she went to this bar, and um, so these uh two bartenders are sisters, uh, and Cardi B um accused them of having sex with her. Um, now estranged husband. Uh, she announced that on this gr- this week that uh, she's getting a divorce. Oh. So she went to this bar. There's some tension, and uh, so she tells them that they slept with her husband, and then she starts throwing things at the two bartenders. That seems to be the theme of the week. <laughs> kind of like our bagel guy. Uh, this is College Point Bar. Um, I'm not quite sure what neighborhood that's in. Um. But uh, let me see. She's there with, like, I think it was just, like, a group of her, like, work people, whoever. She would throw alcohol and glass bottles at them. Um, She was arraigned um, on charges of harassment, assault, and reckless endangerment. Oh, and she told her eight-member team to also throw the bottles at them. So they did? I don't think so. Her entourage? Uh, well, okay, you go into someone's workplace and you start throwing shit at their heads. Not great. Um, not a great look. Not a cute look. Uh, you know there were some words thrown before there was other things thrown. But you know what is a cute look is Cardi B has, like, that rainbow hair coloring. Hair oh, dye. that's a cute look. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. She looked pretty good walking into the courthouse. Good, good mugshot. Uh, yeah, I, you know... She's not the first one to pull that, and she won't be the last one to pull that. So, And then, um, so we're going to be hearing more about this case. Her next court date is January 31st. Okay, I'll start watching. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like it's like a no big deal thing, but I just like Cardi B is very colorful. And um, so it's, <laughs> I think that it's going to be exciting. I also like really like her style. So it's going to be a lot of her wearing very amazing shoes Ooh. walking in the courthouse yeah. handbags and shoes well i hope she just gets a fine a slap you know because it's it, that is it's not like she threw an egg sandwich at the guy no i know <laughs> but i i mean this is this could be common behavior for the lay person not some famous rapper you know what i mean yeah so well, and also, I'm sorry, I have some sympathy if you're going through a divorce. I'd imagine that I, too, would probably lose my shit at some point. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, if I lost my shit and got arrested, there would not be paparazzi staying outside trying to get a photo. That's true. <clears throat> so, uh, but speaking of really uh, colorful criminals. Yes. Let's get on to El Chapo. And uh, let's actually start off our show with our uh, favorite El Chapo facts. Favorite El Chapo facts. Um Okay, so in my research, one of my favorite facts is that Forbes magazine. <laughs> this is also a fact on my list. Is, <laughs> Forbes magazine in 2009 listed him as one of their top billionaires. <laughs> like he was up there with the Sultan of Brunei, like these legitimate businessmen, and they just put him in there. Like, and they didn't have any proof of whether or not he had $14 billion. Yeah, so I had that from 2009 to 2011. They ranked him as one of the most powerful people in the world, <laughs> alongside the Dalai Lama and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> the Dalai. Oh, 
poor guy. I did, yeah, they did remove him in 2013 when they realized that they couldn't prove his worth. <laughs> They're like, okay. Maybe, maybe not such a good idea. I'd like to think that El Chapo sent him one of those, sent them one of those, uh, like, newspaper cutout letters being like, stop talking about me. You mean like Donald Trump does? <laughs> Which brings me to my next favorite. Uh-huh. And this is just a rumor, but I really wanted it to be true, that... Um, El Chapo has been known to get into Twitter fights with uh, Donald Trump. This is not a rumor. Is it not a rumor? I found a tweet. Um, <laughs> well, we don't really know if it's El Chapo, though. Oh, oh whatever. It totally is El okay, Chapo. Okay, we'll dream. Dream the dream. Make it real. Um, yeah, so the, one of my favorite quotes was, I'm going to make you eat your words to the president. <laughs> Please be true. Please be true. That was my one of my favorites. So the tweet that I found, uh, so this is in 2015 after Donald Trump won the nomination, won the nomination for president, won the election, I guess. El Chapo tweeted, the representative of hatred, confrontation, racism, persecution, and misogyny that is so powerful in the world has won. What a sad situation for everyone. Um, they also exchanged a few words that were uh, quite gnarly that I cannot say. On the radio, not even on RFE, which allows cussing. Oh. Um, okay. I will go and read that today. It was um, quite derogatory language towards groups that neither El Chapo nor Trump belong to. Mm. Throwing around on both sides. Um, Fox has been covering um, Trump Chapo treats pretty closely. Really? That's <laughs> probably why I didn't know about it. <laughs> I was like going through like this Fox News wormhole of all their commentary on like on like how Don like Donald Trump should not feel threatened by El Chapo. And I'm like, I feel like this is not a serious threat. Uh it's not a serious threat. I mean El Chapo has bigger fish to fry like every single person in the DEA. <laughs> was rivals, you know. Um, all right, hit me, hit me more tweet. More, um more. okay, so he created his own shipping empire. Oh, okay, cool. To um, to uh, ship the drugs, I guess, traffic the drugs. And he has his own construction crew. He's like a, a multi-millionaire conglomerate. <laughs> a one-man conglomerate. It's like a drug monopoly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Oh, there's... Uh, you can go um, down to various regions of Mexico and get your own Chapo merch. There's shirts and statuettes and other tchotchkes and Halloween masks. <laughs> Let's go sell Chapo for Halloween. Anybody listening would like to send us a couple of those? That'd be lovely. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's I'll wear pretty my funny. I'll wear my get shorty t shirt. I would love one of those. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, just so, okay, so El Chapo, his nickname basically means shorty. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are my most interesting ones. Oh, wait. Oh, well, that one I'm gonna save for my my story. I accept your okay. most interesting ones. Okay. All right. So I have a couple. Okay, good. All right. So, well, El Chapo was in prison the first time. Um, let me see. His associates brought him suitcases filled with cash 
to bribe the prison workers. And uh, it allowed for an, quote, unquote, opulent lifestyle. And uh, this one thing I was reading referred to the prison guards as his servants. <laughs> um, he also met his longtime mistress while he was in prison. She was a former cop who was serving time for armed robbery. <laughs> and then... Yeah, the story, you can't get any better. I know. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, they all, We also have um, an El Chapo Act going through Congress right now. Do we really? Yes. El Chapo is such a big pain in the ass that he has his own bill. Okay, what is that about? Okay, so basically it reserves the uh, rights for the U.S. government to retain any money seized uh, by the government uh through this whole El Chapo ordeal. Okay, but they can't they can't find any they, of his they, money. They have to <laughs> But I just love it that like they had to make a law. I thought that was already this. a thing. It's called the Ensuring Lawful Collection of Hidden Assets to Provide Order Act. And its abbreviation is El Chapo. So it's the El Chapo Act. I thought that they were already doing that anyway. I mean I thought so too, but um well, the laws expanded to basically say that this now applies for any felony conviction inv- involving the cartel. Mm. So I'm assuming that maybe there might have been some sort of specific, specific, specific. Should have brought you some coffee. Specific. I'm not saying that any that word anymore. There are like some like details about like maybe the international element or something where they had to have their own. Who knows? But I just think it's so charming that someone in Congress wrote down El Chapo on a piece of paper and were like, all right, we got to make this say something yeah. so we can use these abbreviations. How many joints do you think it took them to do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Those are- they put Bernie Sanders on it. <laughs> anyway, Trump's on board. He likes it. Of course he does. He likes this bill. Well, as we were saying earlier, he's in Twitter beef, so. Yeah. And then... I think that those are my two big, those are my big facts. Okay. So, let's get on to the early days. Oh, he also supposedly killed someone for not shaking his hand. Well. You know. Maybe he already planned to kill that guy for serious reasons. And just the, the show of disrespect was the last straw. So, I like that one, too. All right, so uh, I'm not yawning. You're yawning. <laughs> All right, so early days, baby El Chapo uh, was born in a rural community in the state of Sinaloa in Mexico, and uh, basically, his dad, his brother, everyone he knew were poppy farmers. Uh, so it's not like he really had any career options, right? Um, You're not going to make a lot of money selling oranges. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, sold oranges as a child and moved on to marijuana or whatever. This is like when he's in third grade. Uh, his dad was abusive. Hmm. Um, beat up his mom. Kicked El Chapo out of the house. Um, and so El Chapo, um, whose name is, what is it? Something Guzman? Um, Joaquin. Joaquin. Joaquin Guzman. So baby Joaquin. Kicked out of the house. He's, I don't know, like middle school teenager. Makes it on his own. Uh, he is then given the nickname El Chapo because he is 
stocky and it means shorty which is actually kind of adorable that you know like the most terrifying man in the known world is called shorty i know he's not that short though he's five eight Mm -hmm. it's not too bad i was thinking he'd be like five three or something you know like danny devito height yeah although i actually think that danny devito could probably take over the world if he wanted to i think that would be well cast and then um an el chapi movie with danny devito um yeah okay so anyway he goes to hang out with his drug trafficking uncle who's like a pretty big deal and so he like links up with the guadalajara cartel and okay so tldr when it comes to the cartel is it's basically like the uh mafia in new york which we've been talking about where you have all these different families that are in charge of um like different things or regions the cartel is like that. So there's like the Guadalajara cartel, the Sinaloa cartel, the Tijuana, whatever cartel. Um, and uh, so he's in the Guadalajara cartel, which is like at this moment, like the big boys. Mm-hmm. And he works his way up. And then at one point, the head guy of the Guadalajara cartel gets arrested. So El Chapo makes a power grab. And he, along with a couple other guys, start the Sinaloa cartel. Again, Sinaloa is the state in Mexico that mm-hmm. he's from. And, um, you know, as with any economic empire, there's some fights over trade wars or, uh, like, trade routes. And so um, this uh, the Tijuana Corridor uh, is, like, where a lot of drugs were being passed through. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right under San Diego? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, these, like, two brothers who are um, big news that um, El Chapo is working with. Hold on. Two guys from Chicago? They're originally from Chicago? I don't remember. I didn't see that. Okay. Could have been. Okay. Um, They uh, get freaked out because people are starting to get arrested. So one of them just, like, moves to Canada. And Coward. El Chapo <laughs> is like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? So he sends someone to, you know, like mediate and, you know, get things back on track. Well, this new guy gets just shot. <laughs> Infuriating Guzman. <laughs> and so um, they just start like going at it with each other. And it's just this like huge ordeal. And at one point, the two brothers who were the like cowards, you could say they hired this Venezuelan drug trafficker to seduce a rival's wife who is like somehow involved with all this. This is an El Chapo's wife. This is like some random person. So the Venezuelan drug trafficker <clears throat> convinces her to withdraw $7 million. Then he beheads her and sends it to her husband. What a lovely guy. He's a gem of a guy. I know. So, and I mean, this is um, like two brothers versus El Chapo. This is happening to one of El Chapo's friends. Okay. So everyone is like over it. Yeah. As I'm sure you do. Um. So then Guzman and the man whose wife is killed went on a rampage and killed nine people. As you do. You know, in retaliation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have. Revenge is sweet. Beheading. Shoot up. What else? Oh, let's kill a cardinal. A Catholic cardinal? <laughs> yes. I feel really bad for was, this guy. Well, I would have felt worse if it was the actual bird. I have issues with the Catholic Church. That is another <laughs> that's another episode entirely. 
Uh, yeah, I guess we could. That would be a very, very sad. It'd be too depressing I think, to cover. Um. So this war goes on for about like six months. Um. So yeah, after Guzman kills nine people, he basically just like goes into hiding, has a couple assassination tips on his life, living under a false name. Um. And then he's at um the Guadalajara airport, um in this car, and his uh, rivals, the ones who like to behead people, um are like spotting him and they think that he is in this one car when really El Chapo is actually in like two cars behind and they pick a car with um Cardinal Posadas Ocampo which is a very high profile religious figure in the Catholic Church he's also very well loved anyway so 20 gunmen descend on this poor man's car, mistakenly, mistakenly believing that El Chapo is in the car with him. They didn't look when they got there. Maybe they thought <laughs> he was under the seat. <laughs> He's small enough, I guess. Let me put him in the trunk. They don't strike me as people who are um, precious with life. Obs- observant. <laughs> um, anyway, so Cardinal gets shot as, along with six other people are killed this is just like in an airport parking lot this is like literally you're at LaGuardia in like the taxi line waiting to get out Mm. shooting everywhere El Chapo fine right rushes off in his whatever watch the whole thing yeah so this like pisses off like a shit ton of people and the cardinal's death is really what gulls government officials to actually get a handle on the cartel oh that so oh okay not like the like you know the bodies dropping like flies it was the card though okay he was a very nice man yeah yeah well you can't have god getting mad at you (laughs) anyway so um so the the uh mexican government well and truly is like now after el chapo and he's actually arrested in 1993 uh, he uh, rides the shit out of the prison guards and leads a pretty cushy life, as we were talking about earlier. He was given alcohol, drugs, and prostitutes while in prison. I mean, with that, you know, suitcases full of money. Think of what you could do with that. <laughs> yeah, those guards were making bank. They're making bank. <laughs> anyway. They're living the high life, too. Well, apparently it wasn't high enough, though, because uh, El Chapo escapes. So this was like prison escape number one that, um, I mean, you can also talk about as well if you have more information on it. Um, but I just kind of folded it in here because it's part of the chronology of his rise to power. Right. This is 2001, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So he bribes this prison guard to electrically open, to open the electric cell door. And then they put El Chapo in a laundry cart and roll him out the front door like he's in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I know. <laughs> I knew when I was reading it. But you know how much that operation cost? I do. $2.5 million Isn't in bribes. Isn't that insane? 78 people were implicated in the escape plan. 78 people. Yeah. It's amazing that he even had to get put into a laundry cart. I know. Like, why not why just... just... Give him a uniform and put on a hat. Maybe a fake mustache. <laughs> just... Like, literally, I was reading this, and I'm like, all right, so you know what they should do is all his buddies should just become prison guards of this prison, and they kill the warden, then they just make this their new fortress. He could have just bought it. 
I mean, he had so many other properties around. He could have just bought it and then had the tunnels underneath. So El Chapo escaping prison in style. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we enter into the what I fondly call the El Chapo turns into a little bitch portion of his life, um, which is uh, so he's in pseudo hiding again. He's climbing back on top of his drug empire, really starting to get that going. He's made a couple enemies through all this, you know, like the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency in the United States, is looking into him because clearly Mexico's having a few problems with keeping him contained. <laughs> and so I don't really know what El Chapo's options would have been necessarily, but he decides to just start turning on people. And so we have um, the Sinaloa cartel, which is the one that he's running. And then they have, at this point, there's just one other big cartel that is his rival. And so El Chapo just starts giving these names to the DEA of, like, high-level officials. Um, not only in the rival gang, although, of course, that's in his own interest. Yeah. But he starts knocking out his own people, like mid-level guys. I have questions on how he would do that when he was semi-in-hiding. Did he make a... Uh, did he say, leave me alone and I'll give you everybody? Um, I don't really think that it was like a formal deal so much as um, as long as he kept the DEA busy. They were like, okay, okay buddy, you can kind of stay over there. I mean, of course, like they definitely still had eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was kind of, I think, as long as. He was being useful. They're not going to just up and arrest him. But when I say that he was in hiding, I think that what he did was he would kind of just like drop these names. I don't really think it was any sort of like meeting or anything. Mm-hmm. Because during this time, he was in these mountains and he's just kind of moving between all these properties. Mm-hmm. And his um, estates were in such rural areas. And also like these towns love him. Yeah, they do. And so if any police came, he'd get ample warning. Yeah. You know, so I think it was kind of like he was just always like two steps ahead of the police. Plus, he was also kind of like knocking everybody out. I guess if they were listening to his, if they tapped his phones and he knew it, he could, you know, manipulate the situation well enough. Yeah. I guess. I'm not quite sure what the um, like exact semantics were yeah. in terms of how he communicated this. Um but Newsweek actually wrote a big article where they found, like, records of during the investi- the police investigation, like, they showed that he was doing this. And the thing that I really think that he was meh, for doing is that he was training his own people. And his whole strategy was, was that he was still playing kind of the victim from the Cardinal's death. He's like, oh, woe is me. There was this assassin- assassination attempt on my life and the Cardinal got killed. And look, they're still, like, the government is still targeting my poor baby cartel. Look at all these people they're knocking out. And I'm like, dude, that's you. That's you. Yeah, isn't that sneaky? That's a little narcissistic. That's a good way of putting it. Um, well, also during this time, let me see what else. His um, son, Edgar, gets killed. And in retaliation, everything truly goes to hell. In one month, there were 160 people, 116 people murdered. 26 of them police officers. Wow. June 20, 2008, over 128 people were killed. Um, in one day? In June. Or in June. The next month, July, 143 people. 
Um, and then the government eventually deploys 2,000 troops to the area um, to stop the turf war between El Chapo and the guy that killed the cardinal. Okay. And it's just, like, chaos. Yeah. Because, like, you have, like, the U.S. government and the Mexican government trying to find El Chapo. But then you also have all of these rival cartels trying to find him. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty busy. Yeah. And having babies at the same time. Let's hear about those babies. Well, he's got four wives, 10 really? kids. That's all I know. I didn't really look into that. <laughs> I didn't find that that interesting. I mean, I kind of paid attention to that lady in prison that he was sleeping with. And then I know that he hasn't, but she got killed. And um, I think that she might have also been decapitated and had select body parts sent to him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny growing up in Texas, like when I was in the 90s, I remember hearing on the news stories about how they would find bodies and decapitation along um, the... We have this highway that runs north-south through Houston. Mm -hmm. And it starts, like, um, in, uh, like, Laredo or somewhere. Or, like, Brownsville, Texas. Mm -hmm. Like, directly south of us. And you'll hear, like, oh, the cartel's moving into Texas. And they just have this section of highway that they left a bunch of bodies at. Oh, there's... Hanging out. Well, do we... I mean, do we know it's the cartel? It could be, you know... Human trafficking, they're just or no, it coyotes? was like they were like their heads were cut off, and there was oh. it was like a mess. It was a clear, yeah. Okay. I think they were like fighting over like the roots, the roots again mm -hmm. or something. And they would just like puff up into Texas every now and then, like do some stuff, and then like kind of retreat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's why my dad did not let me go to Mexico when I turned 18. Oh, I went to Mexico when I was 18, yeah, it was a very different time. That sounds like fun. It's like what I like kids do in border states. Yeah. Went to Acapulco a couple times. That sounds cool. Now it's like the murder capital of Mexico. Yeah. Well, we would have been going to like Nuevo Laredo or something like that, like right over the border and just yeah. like hang out and like do a bunch of shots. I don't know. I mean, I think the border towns generally can't be, I mean, well, except for Juarez. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, get you know, find yourself a normal local and go over there and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. A handler, if you will. I know. My uh, journalism teacher always told me that if you're going into like a really tightly knit neighborhood that where you don't belong to the community, you need to find yourself like a little old lady to be your guide and to vouch for you mm -hmm. and take you to all the spots. That's a good idea. So, get her drink a couple of tequila shots with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, tell me about um, El Chapo's arrests and escape and arrests and. Okay. So. <laughs> Okay, so he, you know, he's on the run, whatever, um, tw all your story. But then in 2014, he's in Sinaloa in one of his one of his seven safe houses. Is this the one with the zoo? Uh, it didn't say, but there are, um, all seven of them are, like, in a general area, and they're all connected by underground tunnels. And uh, he's at home one night, and um, the... Mexican Marines started banging on his door and he and his bodyguard and the cook and one other woman, we're not, we don't know who it is, whether it's his wife or whatever, um, uh, escaped through a tunnel under the bathtub. God. That sounds like there's some water damage. Yeah. But it, and that tunnel like led through the gutters 
in under Sinaloa and under this little city that he lived in, and it ended up, you know, you see that, like the, the tunnels that lead into the the sewage tunnel that lead into the river, like these big caverns, uh-huh. and so they escaped out of those. Yeah, yeah, um, and they ended up in Mazatlan in like this gorgeous condo right on the beach, uh, and one of his bodyguards' phones was tracked, and that's how they got caught. At Ma- in Mazatlan. Yeah. It's weird how whenever I hear these stories of him escaping, I'm always rooting for him. I don't know why. <laughs> He's terrible. He's horrible. I know. But there's a, there is something of, a, you know, people love an underdog. People love a good Well, he's so much larger folktale. than life. Yeah. Yeah, a folktale. It's almost like a folktale. Yeah. So he goes to jail, blah, blah, blah. That's not that interesting. Um, and then a year later... In 2015, he escapes for the second time um, through the $50 million super tunnel that his his people built for him. Is this on, the one with the motorcycle? This is the motorcycle tunnel. Um, yeah, our, our federal agents like to call them super tunnels because they take three months to build and um, the price tags are huge and he sent his people to germany to learn engineering to build these kinds of tunnels which i found fascinating does not mess around um this tunnel was a mile long and three stories down um and they ended up buying some cheap uh, chapo's people ended up buying like a cheap ass cinder block uh, building a mile away and that's where they started the tunnel and there was road construction and other various projects going on outside of the prison. So they weren't even heard when they were digging this tunnel. Yeah. Totally it fascinating. It didn't have, like, electricity. It and... had the air ventilation, electricity. It had an elevator. It had a, motor, a specially designed motorcycle on a track that ran right through it. And it was uh, four feet high by about 27 inches wide. Well, he's short. He's little. I know. But basically, he um, dropped through a panel in, in his shower at, like, 9 o'clock at night and crawled down this little ladder, and the bo- motorcycle was sitting right there. So he just turned it on, and off he went. <laughs> it was fascinating. I wish people cared about me in the way that his cartel c- cared I know. about him. I'll dig you out. All I want in life. <laughs> <laughs> All I want is a man who will buy me a two billion dollar, two million, whatever. How much? How much was it again? Uh, this is a fifty million dollar tunnel. All I want is a man who, if I go to prison, will take me a fifty million dollar tunnel and give me a baby motorcycle to ride out of there. <laughs> and yeah, so everybody's floored. Like, how did this happen? Um, I love our our DEA is like they're just like they have some. I was watching sixty minutes. Thing on YouTube last night, and there's like a, a real reverence for, for with them for this this kind of escape. I mean, they're like not surprised, but disappointed. I'm like, no, you guys were blown away by this. I would have been blown away by this. Well, it's funny though too because New York City keeps on bitching about closing down that bridge every time El Chapo goes over it because of security risks. Mm-hmm. And after researching, I'm like, oh, I get it now. Right. I yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like not letting him hug his wife for ten years or whatever. It's just like, who knows what she's going to slip in. I mean, she got caught with a cell phone in court. How did that happen? We can't even get our cell phones in court. 
I need to, you need a special order in federal court. She kind of just, I know. Mm. Okay. So I made a crude gesture. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on quickly because we're running out of time to his 2016 capture. Um, the DEA believes he got captured because he was believing his own hype and that he was invincible. And he got lazy because they he had he had a bunch of his people were at uh, a place in Sinaloa and went and ordered like tacos for eighty five people, and some guy went to get it. Like that's how they got caught. <laughs> a takeout order, um, but they didn't get caught right away. They still escaped under a panel in a closet, and he got caught in the sewer again. This time he popped out of a manhole cover in the middle of town. Yeah, um, and so that was that's interesting. I know we're running out of time, so I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else. Did you get to the kind of the extradition to Brooklyn? I did. I have a lot on the extradition, and it was a really big back and forth for yeah. several months. Mexico didn't want to extradite him because they thought he should um, serve his time for the crimes he committed there first, which would have been like 400 years. Um, they were also kind of like go go fuck yourself united states um but then i um his lawyers filed an appeal because some of these crimes uh you know their the statute of limitations had already run so they had to relimit that and and then ultimately he did get extra as we all know he's here um he's sort of under the cover of darkness and his lawyers were even surprised that he got in extradited um but they wanted to make sure that he got to the United States before Donald Trump took office. So they handed him over to, they wanted to make sure they handed him over to Obama. Well, I think that uh, one of the main things that I was surprised by when I was learning about the extradition is, is that they're basically just charging him for being like the guy in charge of the cartel. So a lot of his stuff, a lot of his crimes against the United States are more of just like drug smuggling. I mean, of course there have been some murders here, um, but it's more of like going against like a pharmaceutical bro almost who mm-hmm. just happens to be cre- making cyanide or whatever, you know, like it felt a lot more of like this, like almost like taking down like the CEO of a corporation. Yeah. The way they kind of talk about it. Well, they, it's also interesting because we're, I mean, six, I think it's six federal districts had charges laid against him and then seven six or seven actual states had charges laid against him so i was i i'm not sure how he ended up in brooklyn uh he could have ended up in texas or california um at, just as easily mm-hmm. um i don't perhaps it's because uh the second circuit here has more money to deal with it as far as security and everything else maybe he doesn't have as many resources on this side of the country although i highly doubt that yeah i mean I'd imagine that to some degree the distance psychologically probably makes people feel a little bit better. Yeah. He's a little more isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have one more fact. I have one more fact. Um, I still am re- kind of reveling on the idea that the feds haven't found any of his money. None. How does... What he is it, use... like gold cuckoo rands buried under uh, his I... private zoo or something? I don't know. He didn't use the financial system at all. So, I mean, if he can build, t- like, uh, hydraulic lifts for tunnels to lift bathroom floors off 
up so you can get in, you know there's hydraulic walls hiding his money. Something. They're going to be tearing down all of his properties like brick by brick. Yeah. For like years. Yeah. If he's convicted. There's no way he won't be convicted. I know. We'll see. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Crime Talk. Uh, we will see you next week. Tell you people they were the devil's children. Bonnie and Clyde began their evil doing one lazy afternoon down Savannah Way. They robbed a store and hightailed out of that town. Got clean away in a stolen car. Their reputation and made the graduation into the banking business. Weeks for the sky, sweet talking tribe would holler. Shine.